0: All right, if you guys have a Bible, you can turn to Revelation chapter 19, verses 17-21. through 21. Uh, I was talking with Tyrone this week and he's bummed that he is not preaching this text. That is for sure. So let me pray this prayer and then I'm going to read it and then we're going to get into it. So, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Blessed are the readers... Hearers and keepers of this word. Revelation nineteen seventeen through 21 Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God, to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was seated uh, sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who uh, who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake. Of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was se- sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged on their flesh. This is Revelation chapter 19, and how Revelation, Rachel, you made it just in time for this scene. I, you know aren't you happy? This is God's kingdom and the kingdom of earth. We have to think of it this way. They're so opposite in so many different ways, right? Or God's kingdom is the only good kingdom, while the kingdom of earth falsely claim that they are good. I feel like we can see this over and over and over in today's culture, in our day and age. And if you don't, then you don't watch the news, which is good for you, uh, which is a good thing. But let's take the example... Of fighting, for example, because this is this is um, a, a text that comes after a war, and we see kind of the outcome of war and the outcome of fighting. But the the example of fighting, the enemies of God fight like this. They fight with lies. They they fight with deceit. They fight to bring sickness, however they can bring it. They fight. To make people blind or not see the truth of things. And they fight to the death. To kill and destroy their enemy. God's kingdom and at least what we see from Jesus. We see that truth has come in the form of a person. His name is Jesus. We can see that he deals with honesty and truth. That he is healing people from diseases. Giving of himself so that he can do this. That he restores sight and light, uh, sight to the blind, and he, um, instead of demanding the blood of his enemies, he gives up his own blood for those who put him on the cross. Remember, he said, "Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they do." That was his enemies who nailed him on the cross. So God's kingdom isn't won through deception and lies or sickness and death. It was won through Jesus' love for us and His willingness to go to the cross for us instead of judging us for our sins. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He willingly took the judgment on Himself for you and for me, and we, by grace, are forgiven for all our wrongdoings by faith in Jesus. Amen? So, this forgiveness is our victory in Christ. And it's found in Jesus. And it is our encouragement, not just to rely on grace, but to not keep on sinning, but to stop sinning. Not that we will ever stop fully, but it's never an excuse for not making attempt or practicing to live into this forgiveness that God has given us through Jesus that we have received by faith. But in this section of scripture, we can see judgment Judgment, you guys know this, if you've been here for any amount of time, you know that judgment is one of my least favorite topics in the Bible. When I come to the passages that deal with it, I wrestle because I've only ever experienced love from God. He's punished me, yes, but in the end it's love. He's disciplined me, yes, but in the end it is love. But judgment is found all over the Bible. And we have a saying here at Grace and Mercy Church, at least I've heard you guys say it and I've said it a lot that uh, salvation belongs to the Lord we're just going to leave that in God's realm well so does judgment and, and what that judgment looks like but we can know that here in this war we see those who refuse to repent they're defeated their bodies are lying strewn about and they're being devoured by birds and then the leaders of this are judged and thrown into a pit but the cool thing about this is it's, is it's not um, a new revelation to us. Jesus has shown us all these things before. He's mentioned the pit. He's mentioned Gehenna. He's mentioned the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And when I say he's mentioned it, not just here in Revelation, but in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these are all used as terms of punishment by Jesus. And so this is not a new picture but one that we've seen before, maybe to give us a glimpse of this picture here at the end of times, and in this, um, in, in here we see that eating, even eating the flesh, uh, 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 eating the flesh of the birds, has been seen before as well. There are many battles that are waged in the Old Testament where this happens. You can see uh, vivid descriptions where blood has been spilled and the birds of the air and the beasts of the fields have feasted on God's enemies. Those who are actively opposing God are defeated. And we can take that as a, a truth that they are defeated. And judgment for sin and, its conti- and sin's continued persistence... Is a real thing that we should all take very seriously. It is a a resisting of God. It's a resisting of His will. It's a resisting of His ways. And as we say, as we come, we, we say we strive to follow Jesus, this means that we do not intentionally stand in opposition to the work of God. We don't do this on a global front, and we don't do this in our personal lives either or as a church. We just don't do this intentionally. We believe that Jesus took our judgment away from us on the cross. That He bore our sins and that we won't have to face the consequences of those. And in turn, we strive to live into the righteousness that Jesus provided for us. Into the right living that Jesus, as our guide, is leading us through. And we strive... We strive, I use the word strive intentionally because we're not perfect at it, but we strive to not resist the Holy Spirit's leading and direction in our lives. So we walk this out. We walk our Christian lives with humility in a real way and understanding that if it wasn't for Jesus, judgment would be ours. So we don't stand and go, ha, 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 you're getting eaten by the birds. It's not funny. It's one of those things where we can look at this and go, this is a serious thing and we get to take this seriously. But in this section of Scripture, we see those leaders, kings, those great men who normally feasted on the birds of the air and the beasts of this world. And in this picture, it's flipped on its side where they are now being eaten by the birds that they would have once feasted upon. Things are flipped on their head. And, and not only that, but the much anticipated battle, the battle that we've been building up to for weeks, the one that we've been standing in faith and believe is already won, it is waged and it's totally a one sided war. It's a total one sided war. Jesus wins. It's, it's absolutely anticlimactic and it's complete. There's no more standing against Jesus. There's no more uh, not understanding who he is. Jesus is seen as the sovereign. He's seen as king of king and lord of lords, period. No more discussions, no more wondering. And I love what one commentator said about this battle. I, I, after I read it, I read it to Mo and I, I got a good chuckle. But it says, the action has been moving towards a climatic battle scene. We are posed for a description of the battle of Armageddon. What is described is more anticlimactic than a climax. Poof! The battle is over before it even begins. I love that. That just poof! The battle is over before it even begins. There was no real struggle and the enemies are sent away. They finally know that they are once and for all defeated. And to that we can say amen. And I don't often uh, turn to Matthew Henry as a commentator. If you like him, feel free. He's not my favorite. but, um, But I like what he had to say on this passage. He said this, The beast and false prophets, the leaders of the armies, are taken prisoner, both he who led them by power and he who led them by policy and falsehood. These are taken and cast into burning fire, made incapable of molesting the church of God anymore. And their followers, whether officers or common soldiers, are given up to military execution and made a feast for the fowl of heaven. Through the divine vengeance will chiefly fall upon the beast and the false prophet, yet it will be no excuse for those who fight under their banner that they only followed their leaders and obeyed their commanders since they... uh, fight for them. They must fall and perish with them. Be wise now, therefore, O kings, be instructed, you rulers of earth, kiss the sun lest he be angry and you perish from the way. It's a beautiful reminder to us. I love that he says this that they are incapable of molesting the church of God anymore. They're incapable of doing the church any harm. They cannot bother us. They can't deceive us. They can't lead us astray anymore. They can't get this. Imagine this as possible. They can't cause division and infighting amongst us anymore. May that day come. They, they are going to leave the worshipers of Jesus alone once and for all. And I long for this day. The day when all our sins are put aside and we can dwell in the unity that we all long for. And I find this difficult to live in in the here and now, but at the same time, we can put our hope that this is going to happen. And if we think about this battle of Armageddon, I love the word Armageddon. It's always been used as this big, huge battle, but that... And we here at Grace and Mercy have taken a lot of time building up this battle. And yet we see it here that poof, it ends quickly. What we once had believed by faith alone, we will get to see in reality. And that'll be a glorious day. I think of this in terms of prayer. And, uh, We pray for one another at this church, and we do it each and every week. I believe it's one of the most beautiful things that we do in our gathered time of worship together is our weekly prayer times, where we lift up prayer requests, and then we just simply pray for them. Sometimes everybody has a prayer request. Other times, no one does. But if you've been here for some time, you've seen a bunch of prayers get answered. A bunch of prayers get answered. Ones that, um, and then other ones we can we continue to persist in for a long time. Sometimes some of our prayers we've seen our own immaturity in what we're asking for, and other times we've seen just God just come through in crazy and miraculous and wonderful ways. And I hope that each week as we pray, we pray in faith, knowing that God will answer. And I hope that we will see in in actuality many prayers that we pray have been answered, not just in the unseen faith realm, but in the realm that we actually get to live in on here on earth, that we, um, that we have seen that God is working, and it's been absolutely powerful to watch over the years that we've done this. Um, as we've started to pray, um, we didn't know, I, I, I think back to when we actually started that, we didn't know if God was going to answer the prayers. But we stepped out in faith and just said, God, we know that you do, like, but help my unbelief. And we just started praying for another, one another. And when we prayed, uh, we didn't know how God was answering but we um, don't get to have our way. God gets to have us. And this is how we get to believe about the war of Armageddon. There will be a, a, a buildup, and yet in the end, we'll see that the war is already won. Jesus did it on the cross for us. And I'd imagine, like with prayer, it won't happen exactly how our imagination works. It will happen, but in in that way, we will worship God. But before we go on, we can admit that this section of scripture—let's just be really honest—that this uh, section of scripture is a bit gruesome. Amen. It's kind of gross. Like if you actually, um, if you actually ponder the scene before us, like we were there. Imagine the sights. Imagine just birds. They're just... All these birds are flocking. And, and you can... I'll let you guys go from there. But imagine the smells. Imagine the smells. Put yourself there like with your nose. Or, but then quickly retreat because it doesn't smell good. But it, it's not a good sight. It would not be pleasant in the slightest. And in the beginning of our time in Revelation... I mentioned that much of what has been written down before, uh, for us by John has been written before. And this passage is no exception. Let me read Ezekiel thirty-nine, seventeen through 21 As for you, son of man, thus says the Lord God, speak to the birds of every sort and to all the beasts of the field, assemble and come, gather from all around to the sacrificial feast that I am preparing for you. A great sacrificial feast on the mountains of Israel, and you shall eat flesh and drink blood, you shall eat the flesh of the mighty and drink the blood of princes of the earth of rams of lambs of he goats of bulls, all all of them fat beasts of Bashan, and you shall eat. Uh, Fat till you are filled and drink blood until you are drunk at the sacrificial feast that I am preparing for you. And you shall be filled at my table with horses and charioteers with mighty men of all uh, all kinds of warriors, declares the Lord. And I will set up my glory among the nations and all the nations shall see my judgment that I have executed at my hand that I have laid on them we see the same thing, don't we? That all nations have been shown God's glory and they've re- rejected it. That's what we've been talking about for the last number of weeks. They've, been, they've rejected it. They refuse God's offer of repentance even though He offers it time and time and time again. All the nations were gathered at the site of Armageddon And they know that God is God, but they go to resist Him anyway. They fight and they lose. There's no arguing. There's no question about it. And God is there to get His glory. And He shows the nations and He sets up His glory among them. This leads me to our life here and now. I think about this, this text and how does it impact our lives now. Because we live by faith that this battle of Armageddon will be won. Faith that Jesus is our Savior, that God is our King, and that the Holy Spirit will lead us in the way of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit intends for us to go. And we get to pay attention to Jesus and to our life as we walk with Him. Our lives get to be lived out to show God's glory. We know about God's glory by faith. Amen? We can believe it by faith. We know that He is a good, good Father. We know that He loves us and has accepted us for who we are, and yet He is still making us more and more into the image of Jesus as we live our lives dedicated to Him. Our lives get to live to be bring glory to God and show His glory. Think about it this. God's glory is a light switch to this dark world. We get to be light in this dark world through God's glory. We've covered this many times in this church. Christians aren't goody-two-shoes. We don't do life better than everybody. The fact that we know we need grace, that we are broken, and that is why we live in constant repentance. We know we're not perfect. But what we also know is that we strive to live for Jesus with each and every breath that we take, and each and every step that we take as well. This takes discipline as we learn to walk with Jesus and walk in His ways and step out of our own ways or the ways of this world and walk with Jesus. And even there, we are met with Jesus' grace over and over and over again. In our attempts to live out this life for Jesus, we set our eyes on Jesus. We fix our ways on Him. And for this, we can praise God. We don't have to set our eyes on other Christians. Amen? Like we don't have to set our eyes on other Christians or those who claim to do this or that in the name of Jesus. We don't have to live like church leaders or religious experts want us to. We get to live for Jesus. We get to seek first the kingdom of God with all our hearts, our souls, and our mind. And even in that, I firmly believe that God will use community because this is His pattern. It's not just us and Jesus. It's, it's not just like me and Jesus. It's us and Jesus. We get to minister through one another, but then we go and we live our own lives and then it's maybe me and Jesus to a certain extent, but then we come back and it's us and Jesus all over again. It's a kingdom pattern that's been established. And, um, and I think a healthy community doesn't need to look like everyone else. It will, but we can look as Jesus has encouraged us to look, we can look more like Him and fulfill the roles that He has for us. And you know what? As we do this, we know that we will fail. We know that we are not the perfect example. And it would be boring if everyone looked like us. Amen? It would be boring if everyone thought like us. And I I, uh, I couldn't want this Christian life without y'all. And when I say all, I'm talking to all, like I think about the children here and how much you guys, you guys don't even recognize it. You minister to me at different times. I talk to the men here, you guys minister to me and to the overwhelming majority women, you ladies minister to my heart more than I could imagine. I couldn't imagine living a Christian life just with me and Jesus. Yet you guys all bring flavors of Christ to my heart and my mind and help me walk with him day in and day out. So here's my encouragement for this week. Set our eyes on Jesus. Let us follow him. Because once we set our eyes on him, we get to follow him. If you're not sure about the direction that he has, ask a brother, a Christian brother and sister who care about you. And when you ask, don't seek agreement. Seek discernment. Mm -hmm. Don't, Don't just seek that somebody would agree with where you think you should go. But when we follow Jesus, we don't always get our own way. Amen? And that's for our betterment. That's for our betterment. We don't always get our own way. We get to... Walk with Him. Walk with Him step by step. Because He always gives good and perfect gifts to us as we seek Him. And when we seek Him, you know what we're going to do? Find Him. We get to find Him. Sometimes this seeking takes moments. Sometimes this seeking takes hours. Sometimes this seeking takes uh, days, weeks, and years. But we get to seek Him. And I pray that in seeking Him, we may bring glory to God. As individuals as a church, because again, we live by faith and not by sight. And in that, we live for Jesus, not for ourselves. We strive to seek first the kingdom of God. We long for it to be as heaven as it is in earth and to be representatives of Jesus and his light into this dark world. And I pray that we don't... This is a prayer for maybe for me more than it is for you. But I pray that we don't focus so much on grace that we forget that our grace motivates us to change and be more like Jesus. And in bringing, being more like Jesus, we can bring glory to God that we believe is due forever and ever to His name. So, Jesus, we pray that we can walk by faith and not by sight. But even in that, Lord, one day we will get to walk in sight of fully who You are. Let us endure till that day. Let us walk with You. Let us be challenged to be changed and shaped by you. So Lord, we can uh, bring you glory on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.